Bright Suns to you all from Outpost Unknown. I'm Brooke, and with me are Amber and Megan. Together, we are the Knights of the Rogue Republic. Bright Suns. Bright Suns. It is pretty bright suns coming through my window right now. I'm liking it. Nice. Uh, I was thinking to myself that I kind of feel like Yoda while he was on Dagobah in isolation. <laughs> oh, right. Like in his little hut all the time. Yeah. Fiddling around with stuff. Mm-hmm. Basically. Uh, and it got me thinking about different characters and times in the Star Wars universe where characters have had to go into isolation I completely forgot that the Sith had actual isolation chambers. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the comics, they had isolation chambers, and they were contained within hidden rooms and subterranean galaxies in the temple of Yavin 4. And specifically, they were used for suspended animation. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, we're not we're not suspending any animation. I'm very <laughs> glad that we're allowed to move around our houses and do things. But <laughs> it, it got me thinking. I would love to dive into that at some point. Yeah. Well, um, and even like the Jedi, right? Like Luke put himself into seclusion to like yeah. grow or you know, there are those moments where you know, you have to go alone somewhere to, like, journey somewhere within yourself. Mm-hmm. And we're back to the hero of a thousand faces. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like Obi-Wan in the desert of Tatooine by himself. And, yeah. Uh. <laughs> good, good moments of growth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll I don't all know that I'm come out of this. Of yeah. <laughs> We will all come out of this very wise. <laughs> I hope yeah, I so. I I don't know. Uh, I'm still figuring out all of my online schooling. And I imagine myself being like a, a Luke or an Obi-Wan character who's going in to become more wise in this isolation. And yet I can't even figure out how to turn in documents on my computer. So... <laughs> I know, right? Just when you start to think that you know technology and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm comfortable with technology. I'm I'm decently techie. This kind of stuff happens and you're like, oh, maybe I'm not. (laughs) Speaking of technology, this is like way off. But last night I had a dream where I was in a different kind of Epcot. Like, I got to reimagine what Epcot looked like. And for some reason, I went in with a bunch of holocrons. Mm, okay. And I, I don't know if that was symbolic or anything, <laughs> but the holocrons kept getting lost, and I kept dropping them. So, uh, don't trust me with holocrons, I guess is the... <laughs> moral of that <laughs> but <laughs> the the Diz Insider we are a podcast within the Dcast which is brought to you by 
thedizinsider.com. They have come out with so many articles uh, regarding the Star Wars universe. What have we got? Oh my gosh, I know. This week, oh, the best one, or at least, okay, I'm a little partial here, but the Mandalorian docuseries. Yeah. Holy cow. So excited for this. Eight episodes. So each docuseries episode will follow a chapter of The Mandalorian. And there'll be never before seen um, scenes, interviews with casts, and uh, behind the scenes footage. This is going to be so cool. And it drops on May the 4th. Oh, perfect. I mean, and how that's much the better? same day. Uh, that uh, Clone Wars has their finale. Mm-hmm. Oh, big yeah. day. It's like they thought about this all ahead of time or something. <laughs> but yeah, you I'm know. very excited. John Favreau is kind of hosting that docuseries. Um, you know, so that'll be great too. So yeah, definitely looking I wonder how they made the egg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had read somewhere about what that substance was. The gooey, like, oh, yolk part. And I can't remember now. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> uh, shoot. I'll look. I'll remember for next time. Write that down. When we do our Mandalorian episode. Oh, you got I'll make it. Sure to remember to look that up. That egg was so gross, but so fascinating. <laughs> and how oh, they just man. like slurped it out. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Don't get me started. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. <laughs> just like, we'll go down a deep rabbit hole with that one. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, that'll be cool. Maybe we'll get to see some of the puppeteering and the animatronics behind Baby yes. Yoda. Yeah. And then they did a lot of stuff with a green screen, too, and then put in a lot of, like, the backgrounds. So it'll be interesting to see, like, some of the props and the characters with, you know, before they put all the digital stuff in. I always like yeah. to see all that stuff. That's going to be so cool. Uh, another article from the Diz Insider a certain important Star Wars actress had a birthday on the 10th Daisy Ridley turned 28 <laughs> yeah did you see she was doing like some little storytelling stuff and yeah she read a story about BB-8 and I thought that was so cool with our talk of heroes because the entirety of that book was basically BB-8 was very scared, but he knew he had to be brave and do it for his friends and do it for the resistance. <laughs> and I really liked that. It was cute. Uh, she also came out and talked about the negative fan reactions to Rise of Skywalker. Uh, she... I don't remember where she initially said this, but the Diz Insider reports she quoted, I think in general, people share so much on social media. I guess now conversations are just more public, so there's stuff I wouldn't have seen. But honestly, like trying to scroll through my newsfeed in January and trying not to see Star Wars stuff, I'd see headlines and be like, oh my god, this is so upsetting. So it's been tricky. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, you know, having that thing, I feel really proud of it, and I'm so thrilled to be a part of it. So I I think that's really well summed up. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's nice. And I think that particularly the stuff that 
I think was being talked about in January wasn't specific to like her character or no. like her performance, right? It was more with like structural flaws within the storytelling or the movie itself. So unlike and some of the previous criticisms of other movies, right? We saw a lot of heat from but hurt fanboys from Last Jedi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, don't even right. start on those pickles. Yeah, like, uh. Uh, I don't know. To me, at the end of the day, if you did the best job that you could do, and hey, you are the lead actress in a Star Wars yeah. story, you're you're in the Star Wars universe <laughs> yep. at all. That's an accomplishment. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And she did a great job. I love Ray's character. You know, I do too. She portrayed Daisy it Ridley. Very well. She did. Daisy Ridley's one of those people I'd want to be friends with in real life. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like totally real, right? She's like one of those characters that they picked who wasn't famous yet. So this is all like mm-hmm. shell shocking to her. So she feels very much like one of us, right? Just one of us yeah. ordinary people. <laughs> Daisy Ridley, if you're listening, we'd love to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, once again on the Diz Insider news, because they just keep coming out with these stories. <laughs> Good. Uh, we have Ming-Na Wen is to return for The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah. And yeah. this is weird because I didn't realize that her character survived. Like, the way that they cut the show, it seemed like, to me, she was gone. Like, she was dead. Yeah, I thought that, too. But Star Wars is known for having these ambiguous endings to characters. Right. So, I mean, heck, we all thought Palpatine was gone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's so Uh, true. But her character, Fennec Shand... Once again, I believe Ming-Na Wen did a great job, and I'm excited to see what happens in season two. Yes, I love her. She's amazing. Yeah. And we'll get to see whoever that mysterious character was that found her lying there, you know, obviously dying, but must have got there just in time. And we don't know who that was, right? We see boots and like a little bit of a cape, and there's all kinds of speculation about who that character might be. So... Yeah. Do you have any good theories as to who it is? I don't. I know a lot of people are are uh, talking about it potentially being an infamous Mandalorian, but I don't really see that working. But I me neither. I for me, one of the cool appeals of the Mandalorian in general is your finding out stories from people you didn't know about mm-hmm. in this in this timeline and in these new worlds and worlds we've explored before uh, once again going back to the entire egg episode we never saw any activity like that on Tatooine before and we get to discover it from a new angle and seeing more of the Jawas. Yeah. So I I totally agree. I would 
yeah, yeah, not be able to see it as anyone significant. Right. Yeah. I, I hope it's just something new. I don't necessarily need to see previous characters like making cameos in something like this mm-hmm. because I think they are developing, um, you know, these new characters so well that it would almost take away from it. Yeah. I mean, fan service is great, <laughs> but you can only do so much fan service uh, until you start going back on what you've already laid down in the groundwork. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Megan, do you have any theories as to who it is? Um, I'm forgetting his name, but he's like the main bad guy in Mandalorian. I always refer I refer to him as the chicken man cuz he's on Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you know um, who I'm talking about? Like I I'm yes. my I'm like Why trying to um Hold on, let me look. Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which obviously yeah, he's going to be built up into a villain for the series, right? So that yeah. kind of fits right into our kind of in-depth topic today, which was going to be talking about the Star Wars villains. So, yes. yeah. But before we go into that topic, I think it's time we hear a word from our sponsor. I will start writing you all wonderful intros to swing it to you, but thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. Uh, you are not on our villains list. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so who do we have for our Star Wars villains? Yeah, so I, I'm big on like finding a quote. So here's a George Lucas quote that has to do with villains. Um, He said, I like the idea that the person you thought was the villain is actually the victim and that the story is really about the villain trying to regain his humanity. Wow. Yeah. We love a good quote. Love it. Love it. So, and then I started thinking like, what is it that makes a good villain, a great villain? We've got some great villains. What is it that makes a great villain? And I think it is part of that piece of that quote where it talks about really there's something in that person or that character that has been victimized and almost this is this is kind of them coming, um, you know, from a place of, of inner turmoil or something. So then I mm-hmm. did a little more research <laughs> and I found this um, kind of framework of what makes a great villain. So the number one thing is a capacity for evil and doing bad things. So the ability to do evil and I guess really not care much about it. 
a backstory that explains, somehow explains away their behavior. Um, it has, the character has a complex range of emotions, so that'll come into play with quite a few of our villains. Um, a point of view that justifies their evil actions and some kind of special skill. Okay. So I think almost all of our major Star Wars villains fits that profile in some way. Yeah. Now, Megan, let's start off with you. Who is your favorite Star Wars villain? Um, I definitely have to go with uh, Tarkin. Ooh, because... Okay. He's like obviously not like the one you could think of like right away, um, but like you know the Princess Leia quote of like oh Tarkin you're holding the leash of Vader like he's obviously like the one in charge um, mm. in New Hope, so he's the one making all the calls at least for like um, for the Empire but like not necessarily for like the Sith. Yeah. Well, he can... (laughs) Let's see how I want to say this. Uh, (laughs) He controls the government. He controls that Yeah, the government aspect. (laughs) ...of it. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said when you have that power and that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he does have the... Sith on his side with Darth Vader. So, yeah. The the amount of people that I would have come into Disneyland dressed as Governor Tarkin was insane. Specifically during Halloween, there mm. would be so many Tarkins coming wow. in to talk to Vader. So, <laughs> he's underrated for sure, but he plays such an essential role in in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the books on my to-do list. I have it already downloaded, but haven't gotten to listen to much of it yet. I think I I got into it like a couple of chapters before uh, the Rise of Skywalker stuff started hitting, and then that kind of consumed me. But um, <laughs> So I'll, I'll learn more about his backstory eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, he tried to execute Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. Well, blew up her planet. You know. Yep. Little things like that. Killed you millions, know, I feel like and millions up- of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's as if a million voices were all yeah. crying out and then were suddenly silenced. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty ultimate right there. Yeah. Uh, Amber, who have you got on your list? So I don't really have a favorite. Again, you guys know I hate ranking. I don't like picking favorites. Um, I do have a favorite literary villain. And that is is Thrawn. He also shows up in some of the animated um, series stuff. But mostly a lot of his content is from books and uh, comics and stuff. So he's the blue guy. I'm sure, you know. Have you guys... Watched Rebels? I have I've not watched yet. a bit of okay. Rebels. I haven't been able to uh, see all of it, though. So, so I can identify characters. Yeah, he's one of the villains from, you know, he makes an appearance in there. But 
His character um, in the novels is just so cool. He kind of is a little bit, um, reminds me kind of like Spock in a way, where he's very analytical and he's got these like amazing insights into uh, like uh, strategy and uh, military, uh, just some cool stuff there. So, and him and Anakin actually met. and he's, you know, from another galaxy. It's just got some very cool stuff to him um, that I really enjoy. So he's probably, he's up there for me as, as one of my favorites. Um, and then I also started thinking about that we don't have a whole lot of female villains to choose from. Like True. We have one in the movies that I could really think about as being Phasma. Can you guys think oh, of it? Yeah. In, um, in the I, I was thinking of Zam Wessel, uh, in Attack of the Clones. Okay, but She's was not... she really a villain? She was more like a paid bounty hunter, right? She wasn't doing True. it to be evil. Yeah, you're totally right. Uh, there's Asajj Ventress. Oh gosh, I love Ventress. Oh, she's so cool. But she's not in the movies. She's in uh, the yeah. It's true. <laughs> Yes, she is probably my top female character, period. Like, like, uh, oh, she's very complex. She's got some really good literature out there, too. So, uh, uh, Dark Disciple, the book, uh, sorry, I'm stuttering. The book Dark Disciple um, is so good. Talks about uh, kind of almost that she turns away from the dark side, um, she partners with a Jedi, and they go to assassinate Dooku and fall in love. And it's this total, like, heartbreaking Romeo and Juliet, like, beautiful romance. Oh, wow. And I just fell in love with her in that book. So That's awesome. Yeah, aside from, like, Anakin and Padme's romance, we haven't really seen any any real Sith really okay we can talk about Ben and Ray but I I just put that on the side (laughs) (laughs) we haven't seen a ton of romance between Sith yeah yeah so and there's some you know other female characters in that extra media the animated series and stuff. But yeah, Phasma was the only one really in the movies. And then it was interesting because we didn't really get to see much of her character. No, it, she just sort of went away. There were so many characters and plot points that we thought were going to pay off or have a significant arc. And they just didn't. And I, I guess it was okay to not dwell too much on Phasma, but I really wanted to find out more about her and have more of that development. So many people were super into Phasma, and even when she appears at the parks, Phasma is one of the most sought-after characters. Her grace within that power is Mm -hmm. awesome. And she's not super 
girly or effeminate. Like, her armor mm-hmm. doesn't have boobs on it. <laughs> right? She just looks like a super cool stormtrooper with a cape. Yeah. And I... Yeah, seeing more of her as a general or a, a captain making those military moves would have been awesome. Yeah, she has a cool graphic novel. Um, her book is it's okay too, um, but I I like the graphic novel um, based off of that book uh, better than the book. Good itself, to know. But Audible's got to start sponsoring us now. I know, right? <laughs> I'll try. So we can just cite. <laughs> We can just cite all of those audible books yeah, for yeah. our audience. You know, you can get a free trial for <laughs> They suck you in, man. They do. Yeah. So, uh, so what about you, Brooke? What do you have a favorite villain or somebody that stands okay. out for you? So, my my villains aren't necessarily evil. Like, they do evil things, but I'm not sure if they can go down in history as the greatest, because I was looking at, like, General Grievous. He's really cool, because he's got the four lightsabers, but then he... (laughs) Other than that gimmick, he doesn't do too much other than look cool. The second one I thought of was Watto. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 I was thinking of Sebulba the other day. Really? <laughs> like thinking about that. I was like, Sebulba. Oh go. my gosh. Well, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I can't get over Watto because he's <laughs> he's a slaveholder. Yeah. Firstly, which I think is pretty wrong. Yeah. That's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Uh and he makes these scummy deals mm-hmm. all the time for Anakin's freedom. Like, he's not going to let his mom go out of slavery, but if this little nine-year-old boy can win a pod race, sure, he'll he'll have his freedom, whatever. Uh, just don't like him. He's not great. <laughs> and let's talk a bit about Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> um, because for the longest he, time... He's not a villain. He, <laughs> I get that he he becomes a hero at the end. I get this. But can we talk about how he is the reason that Palpatine is put in charge in the first place? I mean, oh. yeah, that's true. But did he do that I, knowingly? Like, he was manipulated. He didn't just go, I am secretly in collusion with the Emperor, and this is my time. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, maybe he did. In an alternate universe. I Have you seen the uh, fan art of Sith Lord Jar Jar Pink? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> well, I I feel like him giving Misa give all the power. Uh, other than that moment, um, I, I guess I'll say best villain goes to Darth Maul. Oh, okay. Um, and 
Amber, is there a ton of Darth Maul literature out there? I'm sure there is. I have not read any yet. I knew there was a lot in the um, kind of legends mm-hmm. stuff, but um, there is not any books. I'm trying to think if I remember seeing any comic stuff. I'm sure there's some comic stuff, but um, hmm. Oh, well, but it's well, just the, the pieces the from Solo, right? The little yeah. bit we got from Solo, and true. Uh, yeah. Uh, Duel of the Fates is an epic song, mm-hmm. uh, and I, as much as I'd like to say that there's a deep reason behind me saying that, I just think he's badass. Cool. Yeah, he's like the ninja assassin of of the Sith. <laughs> And that's yeah. pretty cool in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, he definitely checks off the special skills box of, of a good villain. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> uh, as, as a whole, um, I know Anakin had his redemption arc, but seeing him fall from grace as the chosen one uh, and you become so attached to him, especially if you watch the movies as one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. You become so attached to him and where he's going on his journey and seeing him become Darth Vader is so heartbreaking. <laughs> Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Yeah. Um, oh, I told you guys, that, that's like the most emotional movie for me. <laughs> I know. Like, ah. Oh. Crying again. <laughs> oh no. No. <laughs> and if you can even have a name which in pop culture and things that have transcended your genre strike fear into the hearts of people, mm-hmm. I think you did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't know Darth Vader and think he's ominous? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely that whole, the mask. You know, that's interesting, right? Because Star Wars uses masks a lot for people that either are straight out villains or people that, you know, are, are meant to be kind of on that line, that border of yeah. good or bad or, you know, right? Like Emphis Nest, you don't know for a while in Solo, is she going to be a good guy or a bad guy? And so I'm just totally thinking, right. like, the masks or the helmets are very... Um, very much a part of that universe's kind of characters that are hiding something. And usually it's a bad thing, not a good thing. Well, and then you take that into consideration where in Force Awakens, Finn takes off his mask. Mm -hmm. He takes off his helmet when he sees what he's doing. Yeah. Sheds all that armor. Yep. Huh. That's a really good point because mm-hmm. the, the only villains that don't wear a mask other than like Maul are in the, the Empire military force so they don't they're not you know they're like generals and stuff so they don't wear helmets yeah but almost they have other knows. ways of hiding yeah and then the Emperor I mean he doesn't wear a mask 
but he almost no, does. But he sure has a freaky looking face. Yeah. <laughs> he has kind of the alter ego of the senator and the leader, right? And then mm-hmm. turns that um, that outside thing he was hiding becomes the, the the inside thing he was hiding becomes the outside, right? When his face changes. That's true. So. Yeah. All that symbolism. That's a <laughs> that's a mask of a different kind. Yeah. Yeah. But he for sure ended up being the ultimate villain for all three uh, trilogies. Trilogies, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Who would have guessed? Right? Crazy. I was recently watching another uh, video. It was about Knives Out, that movie that came out a few months ago. Yeah. Because people were talking about plot twists, Uh and... They compared the plot twist to of Knives Out to the plot twists in the arcs of the new trilogy. Oh. <laughs> and I thought that was so interesting. They brought up a lot of points. Now, I defend Last Jedi a lot, <laughs> uh, but they brought up a lot of points that counteracted that. Mm. And... I, I thought that was so interesting. Well, isn't Ryan Johnson also the director, yeah. the director yeah. of that one? He was. And so it was talking about how he might have learned from what he did in Last Jedi. So mm. clearly we can't go back in time. And we have to accept whatever we got within the trilogy George Lucas likes to think otherwise with his remastering of the series, but uh, we got what we got. But it'd be interesting to go back in time and see how he would have done it now. Hmm. Yeah. One thing that I always have loved about The Last Jedi, though, is it's so steeped in symbolism even down to like the color schemes of scenes. Yeah. So like, it would be cool to talk about that sometime more in depth because there's some really cool things there. Yeah, there is. Um, speaking of things that almost were, I, I love watching videos on uh, analysis and history, which is how I came about that video on plot twist of Knives Out mm. but I especially love watching the history of theme parks and in fact uh, Sean and Chris, my co-hosts of the Extra Magic Hour just released a special episode interviewing the duo behind Fast Pass Facts on YouTube mm. but Review Time, another channel uh, talked about an unrealized concept for Tomorrowland called Lucasport Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. Have you heard? No, I haven't heard anything about that. Okay, so this was developed as a concept to overhaul Tomorrowland in the early 80s. So pre-Star Tours, pre-Indiana Jones Adventure, pre-anything that they had really... Even pre-Captain EO. It's pre-Lucas in the Disneyland theme parks. So one of the first ever talks about how could we include Star Wars here somehow. Yes. Okay. So our Disney legend and Imagineer Tony Baxter uh, 
designed a large crystalline structure where the Carousel of Progress is now. Uh, That's where Star Wars Launch Bay is what we call it. Mm. Uh, And it looks really similar to his land pavilion design for Epcot, which never got realized. I feel like he just really wanted a crystal structure in some (laughs) theme park. (laughs) And it would have housed a ton of attractions. Uh, George Lucas went on to do Alien Encounter in Walt Disney World's Tomorrowland. And the Rocket Rod, or not Rocket Rods, because that's what replaced the People Mover for a while. The rockets uh, that were on top of the People Mover would be inside there. The monorail would go through there. The People Mover would go through there. And... The train in Autopia would be rerouted around it. (laughs) But the big Star Wars idea was an indoor roller coaster, like Space Mountain, Mm -hmm. but it would be part dark ride. And dark ride is usually a slower moving attraction with audio animatronics. Think uh, Rise of the Resistance, what that is. And it would also be part choose your own adventure. Oh. So, yeah. So, at this point in That is very Star 80s, Wars. So, I can see. It is. Yes. <laughs> at this point in Star Wars, they had finished up episodes four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. And that was all we really knew about Star Wars at the time, other than the uh, Star Wars... Christmas special mm-hmm. we do not talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but you would launch from Dagobah mm-hmm. uh, with Yoda and Force Ghost Obi-Wan. They would levitate your ride system to start a launch. And there would be scenes with stormtroopers. You'd circle around AT-ATs on Hoth. You'd come face-to-face with Darth Vader and the Emperor. Uh, you'd flee from the Death Star seconds before it blows up. And in this attraction, there would be three guest decision points where you would stop and somehow on your pad, you could press fight or flee. And fight mode, you would go into intense loops and you would fight against... Darth Vader and the Emperor or the Stormtroopers or whatever and flea mode was a tamer more family friendly experience hmm and I thought that was so cool I I do see problems with that because I feel like every rocket would vote to fight and you'd have small children uh, going into intense loops they didn't want (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, probably uh parents who have motion sickness patches on who wouldn't want that either. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that would be me. (laughs) (laughs) But it helped out with the development of the Star Tours idea years later. Yeah, well, and it sounded like some of those ideas maybe carried into Space Mountain a little bit and other stuff, too. Um, well... Kind of. Space Mountain opened in 1977 of all years. Oh, why was I was thinking it was later? Okay. Well, I thought that too when I heard Roller Coaster in the Dark, Uh your immediate thought is, oh, Space Mountain. Right, right. And they 
it might have helped with uh, Hyperspace Mountain when they had that Star Wars overlay. I always love the part in Hyperspace where uh, you duck underneath the TIE Fighter. The TIE Fighter is shooting at you and you drop underneath it at the last second. Because unless there is an overlay in that attraction, you don't know where that dip is. Mm. (laughs) And it was always super fun to see. Also, a little scary if you don't realize how close all of these structures and bars are to you (laughs) that you're going underneath. Yeah. So was there any concept art in that article about that? There was. I saw concept art of the the train being lifted up by Obi-Wan and Yoda on Dagobah. Ah. It was pretty cool. cool. Uh, it, I don't think that this idea went too far into development, specifically because it would take up major space backstage. Hmm. Uh, and without going super into detail... Tomorrowland is a space where they don't have a ton of room backstage, so they really have to utilize what they already have. Oh. Mm-hmm. And as much as I would love to see them do something with the Carousel of Progress attraction, and because it takes up a lot of room, uh, the mechanics underneath it would be super expensive to get rid of and put something else in there. So we'll see. We'll see what kind of things Galaxy's Edge is launching us into with Tomorrowland. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for that. For sure. I, I love geeking something. out about that. <laughs> yes, you are now, our arts guru for sure. <laughs> we're, we were also talking about a new Demi Lovato song in our Facebook group the other day. (laughs) There's a Demi Lovato song called I Love Me. And she's talking about her self-hatred, things that we all go through where we think we're not good enough, we don't look the way we should. And there's a lyric that says Jedi level sabotage. And I want to ask, do you think that this lyric is an appropriate use of the word Jedi? I don't mean appropriate as in, oh my gosh, that's so offensive that she used it. But I do mean, uh, do you think whoever wrote it had a good sense of what a Jedi is and if they're capable of sabotage? Hmm. Yeah. So I just looked up the lyrics because I needed to, <laughs> I needed to see the yes. the line after Jedi Le- level sabotage is voices in my head make up my entourage, and I just think of Rey. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> she's all the Jedi. So I don't know. <laughs> You're so right. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's true. Can you imagine like Anakin in your head being your entourage? <laughs> All of the Jedi being your entourage. (laughs) Crazy. But yeah. My initial reaction to the statement was, wait, that's not in the Jedi code to sabotage at all. They're the 
they're supposed to be the peacekeepers. So I could see someone thinking of Jedi and thinking solely lightsabers. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't think that it was very on par for the message she was trying to go for. Yeah, and see, I took it more of a deep meaning, I think, like more around how, um, say, like Dooku was a Jedi, but, you know, fell or whatever, or uh, Anakin even, right? Turning, sabotaging himself, um, you know, and, and then more political and how... Um, in the prequels, we start to see how corrupt really, um, maybe corrupt is the wrong word, but how far the Jedi Council has strayed from like the pure intentions of the Jedi maybe 200 years before. Um, so that's something that I'm super interested in learning more about in that High Republic book series that's coming out because that's supposedly being touted as this kind of golden era of the Jedi before all the influence and the politics started coming into play. So I'm, I'm hoping yeah. we get to see like the Jedi and what they were always meant to be rather this kind of convoluted, they're kind of like a military force. We saw that from the Clone Wars and then, you know, like these enforcers almost when that's really not, you know, you don't really, when you think keeper of peace and justice, you don't think I have a military of, of troopers now going out to fight war. It's not yeah. right up, right on the same point there. So you're right. Uh, and because it is a song about self-sabotage and a lot of the Jedi in the ways they turn to the dark side, it's only a change within themselves at first. I can see where that's going. Uh, and you bring up another really good point, Amber. Did this era of peace and these wonderful golden age of Jedi, did this really exist? Or is it something like almost nostalgia in what we had recorded and what we're told and... Back right. in my day, uh -huh. things were so much better. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see a golden age of Jedi, but I also have to question, does it really exist? Exactly. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Or And, and is it this the time period where you see those seeds of corruption mm. starting? That could be cool. Oh. oh, we just need that book to come out. <laughs> Do you know when it comes out again? Uh, comes out in August, the first one. Yeah. I don't want to say I hope they rush it because <laughs> I don't want the novel to be rushed. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, well, it's going to be. We got nothing else to do here. Yeah, there's going to be multiple books for different kind of age groups and comics. So that'll be kind of cool. And it's the first yeah. one like this that's very strategized and thought about ahead of time. So they're really all doing their stories in conjunction. So it's a real like thought out coming together to develop this whole era. And I'm thinking it's gonna be amazing. I think it is too. Well, do we have 
anything else to cover this episode? Um, I didn't. <laughs> Did we actually get through everything? Awesome! I okay. know! <laughs> well, uh, way to go us for being organized. Uh, let's send out some locator beacons. I, uh, You can always find us at the Decast. Uh, we are the official podcast of the DizInsider.com. And personally, you can find me on Instagram at PinkSparkle22. And you can find me on Instagram at Megpie7196. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram under Amber Atin Cosplay. Awesome. Well, we always love hearing from you all. If there's anything you want to put into a future episode or you just want to give us some feedback by sending in a Apple podcast review, please go and do that. But until then, may the force be with you. listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts.